2: Apple Podcasts, or wherever
3: you get your podcasts. Hey Dude, The 90's Called. With Christine Taylor and David Lasher. Hey everybody, and welcome back to our podcast. It's a little podcast called Hey Dude, The 90's Called. And I am one of your co-hosts. I'm Christine.
4: And I'm David
3: Hi, David. Hi.
4: The podcast is little, but it's getting bigger.
3: It's, I mean, little because it's just the two of us. And, you know, we've got right. Lorraine. We've got a few folks in our it's, little inner it's circle. It's we. It is intimate. We've got a really great group, and it's been a, a lot of fun. And we're almost coming up on a year since right. we did our first episode. Can you believe yeah. that?
4: We should do something fun for our one year our
3: little birthday our one year birthday
4: yeah let's think of something
3: yes um but yeah we were uh we hadn't uh, you and i had done a little sort of teaser for it before thanksgiving last year and then, and then we did our hey dude you know you know we met with everybody and did recorded our episode in december last year which i think it then aired
4: you came to la and yeah. we did some work, some photo shoots, some it, some right. social media, and then yeah. and then I went to New York for the Jingle Ball.
3: Exactly, and, and then we, we did recorded a, the, the. Hey, right. dude! Yes, I was laughing. I something popped into my head thinking about that because that was the we did this photo shoot, and then we had to look at all the pictures and make decisions. And I just remember because, you know, I'm a crazy person about that. I had to like look at every. We were supposed to pick our top ten of the two of us together. That's what's hard, guys. Like it was, we had to, we collectively, David and I had to pick our two favorites of the shots of us together. And of course we both are like looking at ourselves in a picture. I
4: I, luckily I looked at all of them and said, I like all of them.
3: Uh, I mean, basically. uh, uh, No, in fact, this is exactly what happened is you texted me and said, can you deal with this with Jill? And Jill is the one that, and I, Jill and I chose the best photos of you yes. and me collectively. That's what, that's what we do as moms, as wives.
4: Oh, believe me. When Jill, when we take a family, when we take any picture, yeah. it's never the first round. Jill has to look at it. No, no, no. Every We got to do it again. And, and even when we have a stranger taking the pictures, I'm like, listen, this person's been here for five minutes. Right. Like we just, just settle on. on this.
3: Oh, I love it. Um Anyway, we are, uh. We've got a great guest today, who is in our waiting room, ready to go. Iconic, iconic, iconic in like uh, '90s. Iconic for sure, but has been around forever and And is still still crushing it. I mean, huge. He's doing so much. Huge followings. He's all over the place. Um, shall we let in our our iconic '90s guest, Polly Shore?
4: Polly Shore, let's do it.
3: Hi there!
4: There he is, Paulie Shore. Yeah, what's up, guys? Paulie, thank you so much for uh, joining us today, man. This is a real treat, and we everyone is so excited on on our podcast.
5: Cool. Um, love
3: love the California shirt. Are you in California right now?
5: I'm in Venezuela. What? What? <laughs> I'm running from the I'm running from the feds.
3: Uh, okay, let's let's hear more about that then, please. <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, Your you buddies know. with Hugo Chavez. If you go into my, you know, into my social media platforms, you can see that they're after me. So, it's a uh, it's quite a deterrent from. You know California, but you know I'm in the jungle, so I'll be all right. This is a, wow. a villa. It's a private villa that I'm in right now, so no one really could find me. So and you're just have-
3: hoping that the feds aren't listening to this podcast, then, correct?
4: Right, because they're go- they're coming to Venezuela right now.
5: You guys are blurring my face. You said that,
4: <laughs> <laughs> Christine. This is gonna. This is not gonna be like our normal interview. No, and- this
3: is the face is gonna be blurred. There's gonna be a voice box. Nobody's gonna know who this is. That's that's gonna be the game,
4: Paulie. I have to say, I uh, you and I have a, a very close mutual friend, Mike Young, who I have to thank for helping to bring you on here. And I just blew up his phone. I think he thought somebody passed away, but I'm like, I'm I'm interviewing Paulie in like ten minutes, and just g- give me anything to you know what what can I say? And he said, tell him I said hi. I was gonna <laughs> wear
5: where I was gonna wear who the who the fuck is Mike Young hat, but, you <laughs> know <laughs> know what I mean? but my but my dog ate it so.
4: Oh man. Mike, honestly, Christine, Mike Young is one of my oldest friends. And, you know, we had Patton Oswalt on last week talking about how he, he didn't love stand up at first, but he loved hanging backstage. He loved the community. He loved the people. And when, when I was in my twenties, Mike Young, you know, all our friends would pregame and roll up to the comedy store, walk straight to the back and say, we're with Mike Young. We'd get free drinks. And that was our hang, you know? Um, but uh, he's one of the sweetest, one of the funniest people I've ever met. But he's one of the kindest, ki- kind-hearted people. Like he's a, he's the greatest guy, and I just and have to. And get... let's
5: be and let's be honest. He needs a fucking break. So if we can send some money to the Mike Young Foundation, we can... <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, Paulie, his show at the Ned Hotel in New no. York. I have friends calling me
5: like, no, dude, I can don't. you can you get me in? Can you get me in? He asked me to go on the show, but I don't think my. Um, My material resonates with model influencers from like, you know, New York, so. (laughs) Oh, you'd be surprised, man. Yeah. These kids love 90s. Christine, we know each other, right? We do know each other.
3: I wondered if you knew that we knew each other from an eternity ago. Yes. Do you remember? Jason. (laughs) Jason. Yes, Jason, but I first met, so I uh, the the way I first met you was I auditioned for Biodome (laughs) with you and Steven, and I think Joey Adams was already cast as your girlfriend, but I was auditioning for Steven Baldwin's girlfriend Mm. in Biodome, didn't get the job, but auditioned with you both, and then later started to date the director, Jason Bloom. Yeah. Um, and so I was at all of the premieres for Biodome. And I remember you were you were, you know, I, I saw your face all the time. And I heard every line. I feel like I still know every line from Biodome.
5: Yeah, no, I, I it's crazy. You just click your heels and then 20, 30 years or here we are. I don't
3: understand it. I don't. Also, understand I'll say
4: it. I, I watched the the trailer for Polly Shore is dead, and we'll oh, get wow. to that. But Ben still Ben Christine Ben is all over that thing, <laughs> I know. doing this funny comedy, like playing along with with Polly's whole
3: narrative. Yeah, and the other crazy thing too is Ben, and I don't know if he auditioned with you, Polly, or if you were cast at that point. But Ben screen tested for Encino Man for Brendan's part. Like no ben, yes, yes. So I don't know <laughs> if you two read and we're just the people that, you know, don't get cast in Poly Shore movies. But that was how I met you. And yeah, Ben, Ben, Ben really felt like he was going to get Encino Man. He 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 did his best caveman and really felt like he nailed it.
5: It was probably a blessing in disguise you didn't get cast in it because everyone that gets cast in my movies, their life goes to shit. So, you know, well,
4: Brendan Fraser just won an Oscar, dude.
5: I mean. No, that's not Brendan. That's just a chubby guy that acts like Brendan. Oh.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I want to get into, I I was, we try and prepare. We have a rundown that our producer gives us, but there's way too much. I mean, your stand up, your podcast, but can we go back to growing up in a family that is comedy royalty and and your dad uh, bought the comedy store, your mom took it over and she was sort of like the gatekeeper of comedians. I mean, Mike, Mike Young, one thing he told me, he goes, ask Paulie what it was like to have Sam Kinison as his babysitter. So I just want to know, what was it like growing up, you know, in the comedy store world?
5: Well, it's it's kind of the reason why I'm doing all these kind of autobiographical um, uh, projects right now. I have a book, I have a one-man show, and I have a docuseries, and I'm about to do something with Adam Sandler on it. So everyone you know, is saying what exactly you just said, which is like, that must have been crazy. Like, you know, no one, no one, you know, and I hate talking about the only reason why I'm talking about myself with this shit is because people seem to be interested in it. You know what I mean? Because oh, it's fascinating. Yeah, you know, whenever I do things, I don't think of myself. I think of the audience and the audience just every my whole life has been. What's it like growing up at the store? What's it like? You know what I mean? Right. So, right. So, um, I mean, Sam was a big heart, you know, he was a big heart. He, he, uh, you know, and then he got, you know, he got crazy and, um, but he was a genius. There was that, that window, that window into Sam Kennison where he was, you know, the undisputed, you know, uh, the best comic out there. I mean, Robin Williams to, to, to Dangerfield, to Dice, to, I mean everyone watched Sam because you because he he had this this preacher background where he was a preacher you know what i mean where he was you know he came from you know preaching in the midwest and in the south and so he had that kind of cadence of of this thing and and he took it to the the, the stage so you kind of it's almost like that old Reese's peanut butter commercial where you kind of mix the chocolate and the peanut butter and you put it together you're like holy shit like that's <laughs> amazing so you take this preacher Who's kind of going against the church, and then you put him into Hollywood as a stand-up, and it was just this com- this combo of like, oh man. So, but
4: how was he as a as a babysitter and to a child? I mean, was well, he, he
5: wasn't he wasn't my babysitter. He he was a guy that came out to um, to the store in the mid '80s, and um, and uh, you know, I just you know, I was 14, 15 years old and he was doing he was doing shows at the store. And I just was, you know, very at 1415, you're very impressionable by your surroundings. So when he came in, I was at that age where I'm like, holy shit. So I just, you know, I glommed on to him, you know, but I glommed on to a lot of people, you know, right?
4: Like who are, who who stands out in your mind? Just I, I just have to ask, like, who influenced you? Because you, you went into stand up pretty quickly and on the heels of some of the greatest comics in the world.
5: Yeah. I mean, Robin was 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 to me like, you know, there's no Robin. There's there'll never be another Robin Williams, you know, right. because, you know, he would go on stage and he would just start, you know what I mean? And we're talking in front of a big crowd, a small crowd. That was kind of how Robin worked, And he would just he was so go, quick, so quick. Right? And then, you know, you got you got Roseanne Barr, you know, who came out, you know, in the 80s and and she was, you know, she was remarkable. And, and and she had her tight six minutes that she did on Carson, and that really kind of made her, you know, develop like, you know, that's how it was back then. You, you know, you do your six minutes and then, you know, you go on Carson and then the network see it and you get a sitcom. I mean, right. but, you know, but 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 to
4: get on Carson, your mom Mitzi shore was kind of a gatekeeper. Or am I am I being wrong in saying that your mom helped decide who went to the next level?
5: Well, she just if she found someone that she liked, she would develop them and she'd give give them a job as the doorman, give them a job as the phone person parking the cars, (laughs) And Mm -hmm. and that's if she liked you, because what that said was was, yo, you're you got something, but you're not ready for the stage. But we Mm -hmm. want you in the environment so you can watch the other comedians kind of develop and, and, you know, see how they um, they go. So. I mean, it's the college, you know, the comedy stars of a college, yeah.
4: Right, but think of the talent. Her eye for talent has to be unprecedented. The people that she let on her stage who went on to do amazing things is almost unheard of from, I mean, I starting in the 70s all the way to, you know, to the current. 90s, but, 90s, yeah. Yeah,
5: no, it was, you know, she was... She was there and she was, you know, there'll never be another Mitzi Shore and there'll never be another kind of era of comedy at that time. You know, that that was the um that was the heyday, but it's it's with music, it's with acting, it's with movies, it's the same thing. There's no you know what I mean. If you look at the old films and you look at the old musicians, it's a, it's the same thing. I mean, Sunset Strip in the um in the um, you know, seventies, eighties and nineties was a very special place. It was magical. Yeah, so so
3: magical. Now, let me ask you: as a kid growing up around that, and more and, importantly,
5: where's Ben right now?
3: Ben is. <laughs> I think he's on another Zoom.
5: He's. Well, get him. I want. I want to see his face. <laughs> I'll see if
3: I can get him to come
5: over. <laughs> well, first of all, I, lo- I love Ben. I, I haven't been. I haven't been able to spend a lot of time with him, but I adore him and I love him so much. And forget about his talent. His talent is just. He's another level, but as a person, I've always really, you know, I miss him because I haven't seen him, but definitely send him my love, you know? I
3: really will. He he says such wonderful things about you too. And, and I think, you know, we've been in New York for a while and haven't been out in California as much, but I know he would love to see you like really, really has such
0: great memories.
2: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all, every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
3: How did you feel having your mom as such a powerhouse and all of these incredible people that you were obviously around and like, David, you were saying, like, in the scene and just sort of, you know, it it was a comedy college was did you feel it was an easy transition for you or did you feel the pressure? Did you feel like, Oh my God, I, I've got to do,
5: do good
3: by my I mom. I've, my-
5: you know, I look back on, you know, that, that, the era of Poly Shore is dead, you know, at that time that was in my thirties. And that's when like, I stopped doing those big studio films. Um, and I think a, a lot of it, and I, I look back now on like, kind of like what happened? And And, you know, why, why did not you know, why, why didn't my career go like Sandler's or Ben's career where, you know, I was starring in movies, people know me from movies. And, and I think a lot of it has to do that, you know, the faster you make it, the harder you fall. And I think, and I think for me, you know, I just wanted to work because part of it is I just love to work and I still in that same guy, which is why I'm single, which is why I don't have a girlfriend, which is why I'm not in a relationship. I don't know how to balance the two. Um, And, and i think that a lot of it and again i don't want to blame my mom but i want to i want to point my fingers at a kid that that was trying so hard to um get uh not accolades but to get approval from my mom cuz i knew cuz when i first started doing stand up it was like this she was like go to college that's what my whole one man show is about my one man show is crazy it's all about my childhood and um, it's all about this tension with me and my mom when I first decided, you know, how I moved out. And I was like, fuck her and blah, blah, blah. And it just got really bad. But I think that you're, to, to answer your question, it was hard because here I was trying to make it. But here I was trying to get um, uh, acceptance from my mom, the queen of comedy. And then once I did, it was like it was fucking on. You know, meaning me and my mom's relationship all of a sudden, you know, when I was starring in movies, you know, out of, you know, right out of high school, you know, she was, you know, acceptance of me. So, so the right way to do it would have been to to, to slowly develop your career and then maybe hit it more in thirties. You know what I mean? But I was so like wanting to, to make it so I could show her that, Hey, this is real. I'm not going to college and and so that i think has a lot to do with what happened to my movie career is because i didn't really i wasn't thinking i was just wanting to work and wanting to to please please my mom yeah
3: well and you were young though too and a lot of a lot of show business is really striking while the iron's hot and it's hard yeah. to say no to things it's hard to think through things when you're when it's snowballing the way it did for you i mean yeah. it happened fast fast yeah.
5: Yeah. It happened fast. It was like, you're, you're saying you're right. I mean, I was doing HBO specials. I was starring in movies. I was on MTV. I was doing albums. I was doing all these things at once and it happened. You're right. It did happen fast. MTV. It was such a, um, it was like the eye of the storm regarding, regarding like the, the entertainment business. I mean, if you were on MTV in the entertainment business, you were gold. You know, Yeah, I mean?
4: we we had uh, Carson Daly on. and He talked all about that. And Daisy Puentes was on two weeks ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Totally Pauly show, I remember that. That was like at the height yeah. of MTV.
5: And it was just so innocent and it was so loose and it was so authentic that it just caught on worldwide it got it, it, it got everywhere and that's when disney approached me and we started doing all these movies and thank god i had that background in acting before mtv um because before mtv i was doing 21 jump street and i would do satan elsewhere and i'd do Married with children and i was doing a movie with i did a, a, a tv show i'm on text message with leonardo dicaprio sometimes because i met him when he was 14 years old on a on a, a pilot that i did called parenthood so if you remember Parenthood years ago, Keanu Reeves in Parenthood, but there was a, a pilot, Parenthood, where I played the girlfriend's boyfriend, and then Leonardo DiCaprio played uh, my girl's younger brother. So oh Leo goodness. has always been really cool to me, and, uh, and we still have a relationship. He remembers that. But that's how it was. It, I was on Drew Barrymore uh, about a month ago. And we were just, we were gushing over each other just because we both came from that era and that time. Christine remembers, I mean, she was around um, during, during the, that time, just how Hollywood was so simple um, and so fun and innocent. And, you know, you'd go on auditions and you'd sit in the waiting room with your sides. They, they were called sides, you know, <laughs> and you'd audition and I would see like David Arquette, and I'd see all these guys like in the waiting room, you know. That's
4: interesting that you were an actor just pounding the pavement, going on auditions. I never knew that, but yeah,
5: yeah. Before uh, MTV, I was I was acting a lot, and I was in acting class and and all that stuff. I was very serious, you know. I even drove I even drove around L.A. in my purple Jeep, and my license plate said Paul Bro on it. And I had my commercial headshots, and I would like start handing out my commercial headshots to people. I was so excited. You know, to to uh, to, uh, and I never got a commercial, which is the funny thing. Uh, but you <laughs> no, know, that, those are hard shots with the four different. Yeah, the composite.
4: Guys. You had your glasses, your nerdy look. <laughs> yeah, you had, like, one the, was a cool your look. leather jacket.
5: <laughs> yeah, you had like the soda jerk. You had like the surfer. You had like you know the guy working underneath the fucking uh, the engine. You know, with oil <laughs> on his face. It was, but it was so much fun. You know what I mean? It was like this it was just so much fun.
4: Yeah, auditions were fun at, at oh one God. at one time. Paulie, what I find so interesting though is that you grew up around the greatest comedians in the world and you said, "You know what? I want to do that." And I guess I don't know. I don't know the analogy, but like many people would have been like, I, you know, I don't I don't got it. I don't have it. But you said, "I'm going to go do it." And then you you carved your own path and, you know, made an amazing career for yourself.
5: Yeah. I, um, you know, comedy, you know, as you know, it's not something that you choose. It chooses you, you know, I have two brothers and I have a sister. She, she, she was around and, and they're not, they're not comedians. So, and my dad was a comedian and, and, uh, um, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's something inside of you, you know, here I am 55 years old and next week I'm going to Oklahoma city to do shows and I'm excited. You know what I mean? Because, when I'm on that stage in front of all those people, I feel the most comfortable. And that's my therapy. I mean, when my mom was dying and I was going through all that shit with my family and, 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 uh, you know, my dad died and all these different things that were happening, you know, like, I don't know, three, four, five years ago, you know, the stand-up thing is the thing that really kind of, um, uh, really, um, you know, saved me because I would go on that stage and I'd see all these smiling faces and I'd get my laughs and it was just like, you know, I could breathe. Right. You know? Wow. Yeah, that's the
3: therapy. That that is the ther- when you're doing what you love and you're seeing it impact people in that way, and you have the like. I mean, that's the thing you said. You're going to do shows now, like, and you, I I'm hearing yourself deprecating self talking about you know, but like the impact you made on people like us and the fans from the from that era from that more innocent time from the MTV days from those movies like those are cult classic movies mm. that you're in that people still love and and want to see now i mean i mean look at this podcast that we're doing it's you know the 90s like we, we we recognize people's sort of you know desire to look back on that era and that period of time and connect with the people that you know influenced us so much. So I I just think it's, it's amazing that you're doing it and that you're doing what you love. And like, you know, you, you've got a lot of, um. it looks like you've got a lot of irons in, in the, in the fire right now, like a lot going on.
5: Yeah. I, I just, you know, um, you know, I, I, you know, I mean, our, our, our time in this earth is limited, as you know, people are getting cancer and you know, this, you know, this fucking people die and get shot. It's just like, so like, you know, when people die around you, you start to realize like, oh shit, at some point I'm going to die. Like, fuck, I got to like figure, I got to work. I got to, you know, do this. So like, you know, every day, you know, it sounds corny, but every day we're lucky to to get up and, and you know, you try to look at life half full and, you know, and and not compare yourself. So, you know, with the internet now, you know, you can create anything you want. So starting when I did Poly Shore is Dead is when I started to kind of create my own stuff. And and yeah, like you said, I have a lot of irons. I have a lot of irons in my in the fire. I'm doing a lot of different things because I enjoy it. And, you know, I have my show jam in the van, which is a really cool show. And it took me a while with those guys to figure out what the fuck this thing is. Yeah. Tell us about
3: it. Tell, tell our listeners about it. Tell us a little bit about how it started for you. Well, it's
5: jam in the van is like an underground, really hip, cool kind of site, Uh, And it's very, it's very music driven. So if you watch the site, there's all these cool musicians that you and I don't fucking know, because I mean, at least for me, I'm older. I don't know what's going on with the, with the younger musicians, but they all have big followings and they're all really good musicians. So if you go on their website, just your YouTube, you can see all these great musicians. And it's this whole like, it's not DJs, it's like real musicians and they're just really good. So that's their, 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 their base is music. And then they started doing comedy. So you got Jeff Ross over there, Bill Burr, Eliza Schlesinger, everyone's kind of doing stand up over there. So me and the owner, um, Jake, we became friends on Instagram, I don't know, probably two years ago. And I just really liked their style. And so I started doing a podcast that was mostly uh, where I was interviewing musicians and I didn't like that because musicians don't talk. (laughs) You know what I mean? They just kind of like, yeah, cool. Okay, cool. You know what I mean? So that was like pulling teeth and I'm like, it was good, but it wasn't it. And then we came up with the structure, which is a comic and influencer and a musician. So every, it's a talk show. It's not a podcast. So every episode is, is got a comedian next to me from the store. We do shtick, and then we bring on an influencer who's got like ten million followers on TikTok or, or you know, IG or YouTube or whatever. And so we interview them, and then we bring on the musician at the end and interview them for five minutes. And then at the end, the music, the band plays kind of like a Jimmy Kimmel at the end, you know. Um, and that's kind of the structure. So now we're happy. We got the structure. We we kind of know what the show is. It's called Jam in the Van show hosted by Polly shore we got comedians influencers, musicians every show is about 20 minutes we have a whole bunch in the can and we're going to try to license it to maybe an mtv or or you know tubi or something like that as a as a talk show and it's fun at the end of the day it's fun it's not like it doesn't feel like work um and it's funny you know i'm watching these clips the way they edit them and they way to They put them together. The clips are really funny. You know,
4: I I love about you that, you know, so many people know you from some very big commercial uh, successful movies, but your comedy is edgy. You have an edge about you. I mean, almost (laughs) in the way that Bob Saget and you were never like squeaky clean like Bob Saget, but you, you would go see Bob Saget on stage and you were like, holy shit. Mm. This is not the guy that I know. And Paulie, you know, I'm sure with your podcast, like I saw you interviewing two girls uh, uh, f- from OnlyFans and I only recently learned what that was. But, you know, and then I, I watched part of your comedy in Oregon mm. and I'm like, you you go there, man. You have like a, a, a real edge to you that most people probably wouldn't know unless mm. they're a fan of your comedy. But from your movies, uh, your comedy goes much deeper.
5: Yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I definitely go there. My style has always been kind of like go to the edge, but don't go over the edge. I don't think I go over the right. edge, but I definitely go to the edge. I definitely push the edge. But that's kind of who I, I am. I was raised around Richard Pryor, Robin Williams, Sam Kennison. Like, I don't oh have, God. I have a potty mouth. You know what I mean? I have <laughs> a, um, my parents divorced when I was three. I had no parental supervision. You know, I'm not. You know, Sandler, you know what I mean? I'm not, I didn't grow up with support from my family. My My family was like this, you know what I mean? I was always like pushed out.
1: Join us as we try to solve a 35 year old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry.
3: You're talking about like being bounced around from from comic to comic. You were sort of, you know, watching them almost raising yourself in that way because your parents were so in it, right? They were just in the – and that was a nightlife scene, right? That was just a full-on – so as a kid, you're in the clubs at night. At what point did you start to put together like your own set? And did you sit down and kind of like write and say, okay, this is – like from everything I've done – and what I've seen, I want to get on stage and do a set. Or did you just sort of boldly say, screw it. I'm going up well, and I'm going to try yeah. something. What was
4: it like when you first went up? What was yeah. that like? Yeah.
5: Well, oh, let me answer the, the first part is when I decided to do it. It's kind of like bungee jumping. You just kind of fucking say, fuck it. I'm just going to do it. It was at the beginning of 12th grade at Beverly Hills High School. Um, the teacher passed back the SAT paper uh, the SAT paper is a test where you sign up to go to college, if you remember. Yeah. And, um, and that's when I threw the SAT paper away and I said, okay, now I'm going to start doing my stand up. So at the beginning of 12th grade, I said to myself, Hey, if I can do stand up comedy for a year, then when all my friends go to college a year or two later, then at least I have, you know, my my stand-up behind me. So um so I just took it serious at the beginning of twelfth grade. And uh, and and that's you know, and I stayed away from the comedy store when I first started. So for about two years, I worked at Laugh Factory. I you know, I worked at LA Cabaret, I went to New Wait, LA.
4: your first stand-up sets were not at the comedy store?
5: No, 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 no. For two years. Wow. That's so respectable. Yeah, but you know, surprising. But even, you know, that's the name of my play. So my my one man show is it's called Stick with the Dancing. Because after I'd been um, performing at other clubs around town, it was finally time for me to open or show, showcase for my mom at the store. And um, and I did the jokes. And then I ended with a pop locking. I was a pretty good pop locker. And I said, how did I do? She said, stick with the dancing. <laughs>
3: Stop. No. <laughs> yeah.
5: and, that's, and that's when the tension built between my mom and I. Yeah. Did she
4: ever... Uh... I know you said she respected once you started getting the big movies, but did she ever watch
5: one of your sets and say you nailed it? No, 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 no. She wasn't having that. Cause I wasn't ready. Even when I made it and I was known, I still wasn't ready. Like she made me a paid regular and she was still like, you're still not ready. I'm like, mom, there's people here to see me. It doesn't fucking matter. You don't got it. So she was always, you know, but she was honest. Yeah. Right. She like a lot right. of parents she are like, right. hey. it takes you years, years to develop stand up. Mm. Yeah. If she saw me now, she'd be like, "Yeah, you're on it," because I'm yeah. a lot better than I am now. I kind of could figure it out on stage, but um, yeah. At the time, I was, I was kind of a persona. It was it was cute, but it was still like you know, I think my stand up got better once my, my once my bigger movies stopped. You know, cause I kind of spit myself out into a um, uh, society of this kind of uh, uh this underdog, and then immediately I felt more connected with people. You know what I but mean? But that
4: surfer dude weasel character, where did that come from?
5: Weasel bro <laughs>
4: buddy. <laughs> weasel, I mean we all
5: remember
4: <laughs> Where'd you get that?
5: Uh I bought it from a store for three dollars and forty six cents.
4: <laughs> from Sean Penn?
5: Yeah, from Sean Penn. <laughs> No, um, I don't know. It kind of developed on MTV, and it kind of happened by accident. It wasn't anything planned. Um, I, it started with me pausing between my words, you know, and when I was hosting the videos on MTV, I would say, like, yo, check out this video. It's going to be major. Right, that and was major. it. <laughs> and I did that, and then from there, it just like my cadence started to develop. It's kind of like developing anything, like similar to – my jam in the van show, you know what I mean? You just keep developing you figure out what the fuck it is. Um, even the Richard Simmons thing, which I'm getting ready to work on some stuff with that. Like I'm learning his cadence and learning his kind of, you know, his, um, I don't know how he is. So, you know, it's developing in 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 trial and error. Yeah.
3: Ha- tell us a little bit about that and how that came to be. This this cuz this has become like sort of a an internet sensation, right? People yeah. are wanting you to play Richard in a biopic. Yes.
5: Yeah, but I heard Ben Stiller's trying to take my fucking role again. So
4: <laughs> No, Ben should direct it.
5: <laughs> he should direct it. That'd be Seriously. That would be sick. For sure. Well, I got a deal with the company at Warner Brothers, so we're going to go out and shop it. So um, people
3: are
4: already giving you an Academy Award for this thing.
5: Yeah, exactly. And
4: millions of people saying, "Yeah, Academy Award." How did Awards. this
3: come to be? Did you know Richard before? It's just a, it's just purely your, you know, a side by side shot of young Richard and you.
5: And well, if you go on my YouTube channel or my Instagram, you can see videos called "Sweating with the Wheeze." Okay. So okay. I did these. So I did these videos because people are like, you know, it start. It started on stage as a stand-up where I'm like you know, blah, 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 Richard Simmons. And then people started laughing and I started acting like Richard on stage. And then I did these videos, Sweat with the wheeze, And those uh, went, I don't want to say viral, but people really enjoyed them. And then from there, someone did a meme, say Polly Short should play Richard Simmons in a biopic. Mm-hmm. that started. And then from there, I put that up and I said, hey, me and Richard are talking, this is happening, da, 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 da. And then immediately everyone's like, fuck Polly starts talking to Richard Simmons when I never talked to the guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just kind of like, uh, me goofing off. And then all of a sudden it took off. And then I got calls from, um, you know, these production companies that are like, let's do this. And now, you know, we're going to go and try to shop it. So,
4: I mean, that would be a great role. I don't know that much. He, does he have an interesting life? Is it, is it like film worthy?
5: Yeah, he's yeah, for sure. I mean, I want it to be like, you know, my, my feeling is like that whole, um, it's. I think it's like, you know, the uh, B- Bohemian Rhapsody meets Barbie or something. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, it's kind of like that. You know, Rich, ha, Richard. Richard. Hey, hi right. everybody. You, hi. Oh my God! Look at those beautiful, healthy-looking audience.
0: <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> but oh my you God. have so
3: you haven't that, talked to it because was it, am I behind? Am I so behind? Because wasn't there a whole thing a couple of years ago where? he's been off the grid and no one knows where he is. Is that still, has he been found? Do people know where he is? Richard, like, Wasn't there a Richard, whole thing?
5: Richard, if you're watching us, we're going to find you, Richard.
4: What do you mean if he's you- missing? You Wait,
3: no. am I crazy? This is true, right? This is a something, because I, I I listened to Howard Stern and I remember Howard Stern talking about it. That Because Richard used to come on regularly on the Howard Stern show years and years ago. And there's just been a, you know, he kind of went off the grid. He would still do appearances for a long time. And now he's kind of, I mean, obviously he's older and maybe he just wants to be off the grid. Like, I don't
5: blame him. You but. can't
4: be off the grid in 2023. I mean, someone's got to be able to find you.
5: Unless no, you're Joe, Joe Torres. He <laughs> lives he lives down the street. He's just in a gated house and he wants to be left alone. That's kind of Right, the right.
3: Yeah, so it was, not, Richard, it was
5: that simple. Richard, Richard, we're not gonna <laughs> leave you alone. We're coming after you, Richard. We love you. Come out, come out, wherever you are. You
3: already sound like him there, so yeah, that this works. Is,
4: <laughs> this is going to happen. I feel it. Yeah. Um, Paulie, I saw recently uh, Jeff Ross uh, did a preview uh, of his one-man show. Mm. My friend Daniel Kellison, who I think you, you're you also friendly with, um, took me, it was at the Improv on Melrose and it was an hour and 45 minutes. Wow. I wasn't expecting it, dude. But honestly, I laughed my ass off and I freaking cried when wow. he talked about his parents putting his dog down, all these things. It was a journey wow. that was so intense. And, and, and it reminded me the power of one man or one performer and a microphone and an audience, and that's it. And he took mm. us through his entire life. Mm. And- uh, I'm, I'm so excited to see what you've put together and where where are you going to be performing it? Are you
5: workshopping it or where can we see it? Well, I've been doing it. Um, so, yeah, I heard great things about Jeff's, Jeff's show. And, you know, Jeff's has seen my show. He enjoyed my show. Uh, he saw it. I was in the New York Comedy Film Festival with it last year. Um, but if you just go on my website, you know, my my website, paulishore.com under tour dates, and, you know, you'll find it, but it's just, it's called stick with the dancing. It's stories of my childhood and it takes place. It's all my childhood up until I made it. So then, you know, and then it kind of ends, you know what I mean? So it's, every- oh, so
4: it's none of the glory days. It's just
5: childhood. Right. Yeah. And, um, and right now I'll be at flappers on December 11th. And then I have some, and then that'll be it. I, uh, And then next year I have some more dates with it. I'll be at the comedy store on January 31st. And um, I just did Joe Rogan's club a couple weeks ago with it. So I'm touring it, you know what I mean? And it's like any other show, you know, eventually you want to get it to a Netflix or an Amazon or a Hulu or a, you know, HBO or something like some kind is of the
4: goal, the goal is not to get into theaters and possibly bring it to Broadway, you know, like, like 700 Sundays, the Billy Crystal thing,
5: that would be great, because that's where I'd like to film it. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I can get it, if I can get it to, uh you know, to off Broadway or something like that, but I'm really looking for, you know, like a live nation or someone like that. I know Australia is talking about bringing me out to Australia with it. So people are talking about it. And you know, it's, it's like I said earlier, like the jam in the van or the MTV stuff. You just want to make it better and better, and then God and the timing and the you know the God the uh, entertainment gods will kind of come to you when the right time is, and then you you know you film it and blah blah blah. So you know, life is just about developing things, getting it better. The same Jeff's as well. Jeff's probably always changes and gets better. Um, so it's kind of at a, it's, it's at a really good place. The difference between mine and Jeff. Did Jeff have like backgrounds? Like, did he have? Um,
4: he like, had a piano player. He had a he had a musician there. That had they no were video.
5: He had no videos and behind nope. him. Uh,
4: nope, just one guy talking. Yeah. That was so. It.
5: Mine is like Mike Tyson's undisputed truth.
4: I never saw that.
5: Oh, it's so mm-hmm. good. It's Spike Lee directed it. Oh my gosh, it's really good. It's on HBO. It's amazing. So so um, that that's the vibe of mine. So I'm speaking and then there's things and images and videos playing behind me. So you and, have oh, a whole
3: visual element as yeah, well.
5: It's a, And if you just go online, you could see the trailer. If you just Google Holly shore, stick with the dancing trailer, it's out there everywhere. So there's a trailer in, in blah, uh, blah,
3: do you go deep into this, your relationship with your mom? Absolutely. Like, is that really what, yes. where you go with it? Yes. Yes. So it's, got to be a
5: well it's all that stuff you guys started talking to me about when you first started talking to me whenever we first started talking you know (laughs) so and it's also got a lot of sam kennison in it a lot of sam kennison it's got my my ex-girlfriend in it who i don't want to say what happened with that because i want to save it for the show um Uh there's a lot of stuff on that but it's just like you know it's 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 all that stuff that you guys are you know are asking me about
3: yeah, let me ask you something because you said, you said that the show takes you up until you sort of. Hit it big, and it's sort of the first chapter of your life, so to speak, right? Yeah. Before your mom died, and I know you said your relationship changed when you got successful, and she, you could, you speak a, a similar language at that point. Mm-hmm. Did you find and I, this is not? Listen, I don't. This is not meant to be heavy in any way, but did you find some healing with her over the years as you both got older, and and you- and? Just Me meaning, like, did she, did she sort of s- soften a bit in, in her later years of, you know, sort of, cause I, I don't know. I think as a parent, it's, she was in it, right? And I'm giving, you know, but you were a kid and you were looking for a par- parental guidance. And I feel like, you know, it didn't seem like she was capable of giving it back then. And did, were you able to sort of reconcile that relationship a little yeah. bit? Yeah.
5: Yeah, yeah. No, I took care of my mom her last years, you know, I, you know, she, she had Parkinson's. Oh, so I'm you know, sorry. Yeah, That's a you, tough. Yeah, if you know anything about that, Yeah, it's a fucking nightmare. So that was really challenging just, you know, and, and, and she didn't understand it. And then the, dementia, the physical,
3: the physical yeah. toll it takes on yeah. the body and then, oh, and dementia. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry.
5: Yeah. So, you know, so, um, so that, you know, that, um, you know, that was, Um, you know, that was, that was hard, but yeah, we, we totally hit it off and she, she was in love with me and I was in love with her. And that's, you know, and and that's, it's hard for me to be at the store really, because if you look at the store, you know, you know, the way she left it is the way it is. So every time I'm at the store, it's like, it's not like I'm at a normal comedy club, you know, at a normal Mm. comedy club, it's like my fans and it's silly and it's wacky. And I walk into the store, it's emotional for me and it's difficult. And I think that for my brothers as well, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, it's your mom, you know what I mean? So, so, but yeah, we did reconcile and, and, you know, we've been very close for many years. And- it's so
3: beautiful hearing, just hearing you say I, she was so in love with me and I was so in love with her. Like, that's yeah. a really beautiful thing. And, and, you know, to, to, I don't know, but you you both got older and wiser and then life, like you said, life happens and really big hard things happen and y- y- everyone's in it together in that way and you just you know so anyway but, that's really beautiful
5: yeah and the thing with you know me doing the stand up you know um she was probably going through an emotional like thing as well like oh my god like my poor son is going to have to deal with all this failure and and the drugs and the this and that i don't want him to to go through that but yet i do want him to go through that because that's who he is and so she was probably also you know, right. going, going yep. through like a a a, a, a tug a tug of war in her mind about you know like should he do it? Should he not do it? You know, right? And maybe
4: right. her maybe her discouraging you was to protect you, right? In it yeah. some way.
5: Yeah. Yes, doctor, I think you're right. Yes, <laughs> we've done our job.
4: Yeah, I have a <laughs> podcast PhD, <laughs> armchair but, um,
5: expert. But yeah, it was. Uh, you know, it was. Um, you know, like I said, early, early on, you know, I was, I was, I had a gun in my, my, my head um, to make it quick. So I can get accepted by her and say, look, mom, I'm really serious about this. And, And it blew her away because I started starring in these movies and I became this thing. And she was very proud, obviously. And the MTV thing was really fun because I used to film, you know, I used to film my show at the house and I'd raid my mom's closet and I'd put her scarves on my head and put her clothes on and put my clothes on. And it was just like, uh, and she thought that was really fun. Yeah.
3: Wait, you did that from the house? You, the whole show?
5: No, I did it wherever I wanted to do oh, it. Oh, wherever
3: you wanted to go. Exactly. Yeah. So that like, was, like right.
5: Yeah. It would totally. <laughs> yeah, you took, was, yeah. You we took
3: would, it on the road. Exactly.
5: Sometimes if it was raining, I'd be like, yo bros, we're just going to stay in and like, we're going to hang out here and watch videos and walk around my house. And it would be like, that would be the, the episode, you know? So it was always like wherever we wanted, you know,
3: and how we didn't even get into that because we talked about the early stand up and when you started. But like, did MTV come knocking very soon after or were you did they did they come to you or did you go to them
5: well, when you landed me, on MTV? They saw me at the comedy store. They brought me to spring break. I That went really bad that I tanked on my first spring break. (laughs) Really? Well, I was nervous. There was hundreds of thousands of kids. I I wasn't comfortable. Um, They pretty much sent me home. And then I started over. I started writing my own jokes, um, started developing my own style. And then I did a show called Comic Strip Live, which was on Fox. That went really well. We sent that tape to MTV. MTV then said, oh, fuck, like he's come a long way. And then they gave us a to host a show called five funny guys. And once I did that, then I was kind of like back in with them. And then I started guest VJing late night. And then we started, it just slowly kind of happened. And then, then my cadence and my style kind of developed and then I got my show and then, you know, and then from there, it just kind of took off, like, kind of like a a wildfire, you know, like, or or, nowadays it's called going viral. So yeah. So it kind of went viral all over, you know, and then, and then the, no one understood no one understood nor did i understand why it was working you know
3: well the interesting thing too is that you it, seemingly to us the the people who were just when you just started to uh, you know appear everywhere you had you put a lot of freaking work into what you developed, like from what I'm hearing, like you said, you took acting class, you were auditioning, you were doing episodes of shows. When you, when spring break tanked, you went back and got down to writing and figuring out what your vibe was. And like, this was not like a fluke. I mean, you put like, you were not like an overnight, you were in a sense, but you had put a lot of, you'd laid a lot of the groundwork.
5: Yeah, I did. But but still, that being said, I still didn't know what I was doing once mm-hmm. I was on the air because you're literally you you you're it's not scripted, right? You just have one producer, one cameraman, one sound guy, and that's it. And it was all up to me to like go up to someone on the street and go, "Yo, you guys, come here, check this out, look at this guy." And I'd go up to the guy, "Yo, bro, da 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 da," and I didn't <laughs> know what the fuck was gonna happen. You know what I mean? Sometimes sometimes like. Sometimes I would do things like we'd be on the beach and I'd see these like kind of jock guys down there and off camera, I'd go up to them and I would say, Hey, listen, I'm going to go up to you and start touching your head and start fucking with you. Like act like you're going to beat the shit out of me. And then don't laugh no matter what, don't fucking laugh. Right. <laughs> so then I'd be like, uh, and they'd be like, all right, action. I'm like, yo guys, look at these jarheads." They're stupid, da-da-da-da, yo, bros, da-da-da-da-da. And they're like, get away from me, you little fucker, da, da da And that reaction would be like, oh, my God, he's going to get killed. Play real. yeah, Dude,
4: honestly, I, that's like pre-Johnny Knoxville or Sasha Cohen. You know, you were you were fearless. I mean, when you look back at your 20-something-year-old self, do you have respect for the work that you did?
5: I just loved it. Yeah, I just yeah. loved it. You know what I mean? I loved, and I still do. The- I like it now just as much now as I did back then, you know? So it's in me, you know, it's just uh it's in me. So I don't and know. I mean how, I, I love you know, I love it. Yeah.
3: How about the fact that it going back to what you said really early on when we first talking when we first started talking, whenever it was that we first started talking, that you said it was a different time. It was an innocent time. Like yeah. can you imagine MTV today let oh, like it's They are, have to be so careful and it's Mm. so manufactured. It was, you could not do a show like that today in that, the way you did it. Well, that's why we
5: have, that's why we have the internet. So you can do it. Exactly.
3: Exactly. That's that's why, why you you know.
5: Podcasts and Joe Rogan and Theo Vaughn and, and all these places. And that's where business is going where you guys are doing and, and what, you know, and, and and it, you know you just kind of have to change with the times. You know these are the times, so you have to embrace it and not be pissed off about it. Yeah, but and if you if as you,
4: as you as went and poked a kid f- now on the beach, they'd call the police. Correct. Like you're in my personal space. <laughs> you know, uh, it's it is a different time, and everyone's so freaking sensitive.
5: Yeah, it is what it is.
1: Join us as we try to solve a 35 year old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. Emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry, as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Dvlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Comedy in the 70s and
4: 80s where there were a few greats, but it was a niche thing. And then all of a sudden, I don't know when it happened. Comedy is the biggest thing in the world. Even right now. I mean, these guys, Sebastian, Naper, Gatsby, I mean, they're they're like rock stars. When when did that was it was it Seinfeld, or when did comedy become the biggest form of entertainment in the world?
5: I think I think with the podcasting. And I think with, uh, the Netflix and, um, I think with just the world, people, people, um, want, want, I don't want to say healing sounds kind of corny, but I think like people want to be able to laugh. And I think that, um, you know, social media has a lot to do with it. Back in the day, if you were doing a club, like I would do a club say like in Houston, And before I fly in, you know, half the tickets are sold for the weekend. And then I would go on one radio station, uh, you know, in the morning, the morning station, one radio station, and you go on and then all the tickets would sell out. Now, it's just Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You just post it. Yeah. So people are consuming comedy on all over everywhere. So I think... You know, with, like I said, podcasting and Netflix and yeah, but you're right, you know, because when I was growing up, there was three or four people that sold out arenas and that was it. Right. Now it's like um, everyone sells out arenas.
4: Who are your favorite? Who who do you enjoy the most nowadays?
5: Well, I love Sebastian. You mentioned Sebastian. I think he's really funny. I just saw Dice. I saw Dice at the Wiltern uh, like two weeks ago. He, He was great um oh
4: my god dice is touring right now are you still doing it
5: he's great you should get him on this for sure i mean that would be a dream (laughs) i'll (laughs) get you you guys on it i'll get him i'll connect you guys um with dice he's oh thank you yeah for sure um he's killing it it was a great set um who else do i like i like joe rogan i think joe's doing great out his club tony hinchcliffe is really funny um you know he's out there in austin uh you know, a lot of guys I like uh, Montgomery, uh, uh, Montgomery out there. You got Hans Kim, Bobby Lee's funny. Ah, Bobby's um,
4: the greatest.
5: So, you know, um, Andrew Santino's funny. All those guys, you know. He's are you, really funny. Where do you live? Are you in Austin? I can't tell you that. He because,
3: can't, he's, he's on the run from yeah, the feds.
5: Of, I'm in Argentina, bro. <laughs>
3: Our guests don't even know who we just interviewed. This is all going to be muffled out. Just in case, (laughs) just
5: in case
4: my son is a freshman at UT Austin. So we're there several times a year and uh, yeah, he's loving it. I love the city. I've been there many times, but Joe Rogan has a club there, right? A comedy club. Yeah.
5: Yeah. It's called the comedy mothership. (laughs) That's great. That's great. All right. I got to get there. Yeah. So I'm in, I'm in Vegas and in LA and in Austin, I kind of bop around.
3: This was awesome. Thank you so much for for coming on and sharing so many great stories. I can't believe you remembered our nineties mm-hmm. crossover.
5: Yeah, I remember. Um, when I saw I your face. I remember you.
3: <laughs> the biodome days.
5: Yeah, it's amazing that that film you know held up. You know.
3: It's got a following and it's on a lot. I noticed that it's on TV a lot when I'm flipping through. Um and also the son-in-law is being I don't know if it's on
4: TikTok because it's a Thanksgiving thing. Yeah. I, I yes. don't know. I've seen a bunch of stuff. And that, yeah, you were so funny in all those movies.
5: Well, let's let's see Richard Stimmons. Let's see this yes. uh, the next wave. We also have Guest House on Netflix. I don't know if you saw that. That's that's my movie. It's it's really funny. It was with Lionsgate. Um and that's that's out on Netflix. And you got a uh, what else do I have? I don't know. My YouTube page has got a lot of my stuff. And then also the Jam in the Van, which is out right now. And then I also have a series called Hooray for Pollywood, which is like a scripted kind of like a show on my YouTube page, you know, which is fun as well. So
4: wait, you, it's scripted and you produce it yourself.
5: Yeah, it's kind of well, like I got to check that it's out. It's kind of like Curb meets Polly Shore is dead. Oh my God. I got to see that. You
3: have so much going on. We've got, we've got our work to do. We got to check out all of it. So good to see you, love.
5: All right, guys. Bye. All right. Thank you, Polly.
4: Thank you so much. Bye. I mean, another great one. I don't know what to say.
3: I know. I found, I mean, I, 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 like I said, I met him a little bit, but I, I, I really always saw him as the character he was like this outrageous. Right you know, larger than life, you know, I, it's, it's, it's my own thing where you, you don't know a person that well. And you're like, oh, he's like a wild man. And, and I, I just had no, I mean, I knew his whole history of the comedy store. I just didn't realize how intense the relationship with his mother was and, and, you know, and how open he is about sharing it, you know, and, and like nothing, you know, you know, you know how hard it is in, 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 being a parent, being a child, <laughs> but we all have that, you know, wanting to please our parents in some way, right? Our kids have it, we had it. I
4: know, but this this was next level because this was right, next you, level. You encourage your kids. I and he, you know, I know Mitzi's approval is the fire that drove him, right? Um, but I, it was interesting when he said, "I think she didn't accept my comedy." Because she didn't want me in this world. Yeah. She knew what it could lead to. Like, that's just an interesting, a very interesting dynamic. And definitely his one-man show has to be fascinating. Yeah. And I I love that he only, it's only up
3: until he got success. I know. Because that, it's probably a whole other show. There could be a whole uh, other yeah, show right. for that. But that's a really—he's—he's he's a really, really interesting guy, and you know, obviously still super funny and let off with the, cra- you know, his crazy stories. But, but like very real and solid, and has has a lot to say. So, um, so honest. And you know what? Really he's great. so
4: loved. Like, I feel like people, you know, I know when he made Paulie Shore is dead he was probably in a dark period. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where like sometimes the business spits you out for a minute, then you come back around Yeah, and you realize, I mean, he is loved as a yeah. performer, as a comedian, as a person, he's so loved. And I feel like he knows that now and he seems yes. like he's in a very good place.
3: Yeah. I think there's, that's, that's something that I feel like, you know, we don't talked to too many of our guests about. And and not all of them have had that experience, but he was so, so big. And then the way he said, it's like he didn't know, he was, he didn't have time to figure out to make decisions or the right team leading him. And he felt like he went off the grid and that feeling of loss and this like, oh, I've just been shunned by the industry that made me. They all loved me, you know, everyone, a year ago. And,
4: everyone goes through it. but you Right. Go, you but get, on that you,
3: level, on that you, level, the, the you, high, you, high to the low, low, you know, a lot of us sort of have right. moments of a different- I mean, Look at John Travolta, you know, no, someone right. like
4: that. I mean, yeah, you're, there there are extremes. I feel yes. like everybody rises up, they fall yeah. back down, they come back around, and the work that you did it somehow ends up getting appreciated.
3: Yeah. And if you love it, you stay. If you love it, like he said, it's in his DNA. Right, you got it. You're not leaving it. You're going to find a way to create and be creative and do what you love. So, um, really great. Uh, all right, everybody. Well, that's that's it for today. We will see you uh, next week.
4: Thanks for listening. Have a great week.
3: Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and give us five
1: stars.
4: And please follow us on Instagram at Hey Dude The Nineties Called. See you next time.
2: Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts
3: bring a little optimism into your life with the bright side a new kind of daily podcast from hello
2: sunshine hosted by me danielle Robey, and me simone voice